Shalom and welcome to another episode of Israel Policy Pod, Israel Policy Forum's podcast. I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director in Tel Aviv. And today we're joined again by uh, Wala News' political correspondent Tal Shalev uh, to talk about Israeli elections. Hi, Tal. Hi, Eli. Hi, everyone. So we're really in the heart of what is has been a very, very dramatic campaign and the drama continues. Maybe let's start uh, with Benny Gantz. Um, we'll talk about uh, his cell phone. We'll talk about the, the state of his campaign. Um, it's been a very uh, rough week for him. Where Where is Benny Gantz's campaign at uh, at the moment? Well, Benny Gantz at the moment is, I guess, um, at the top, at the good part of his worst week yet. Um, because uh, just last night, uh, two TV polls were published. Both of them showed that basically Gantz uh, is still keeping his trend and is still um, still has momentum and still is opening up a gap and leading um, Netanyahu, despite the fact that his campaign is basically all over the place and has been go- going through, uh, I would say, serious uh, tremors following this uh, so-called Iranian hack into his cell phone. So this has definitely been a very tough week for Benny Gantz, if we want to play it down. Um, it's, it all started just a week ago, Thursday evening at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, one of uh, Israel's most prestigious political journalists, Amit Segal, on Channel 12, announces that uh, Iran um, has hacked uh, Benny Gantz's phone. Has hacked or has hacked in the past? Has hacked in the past. And that uh, Benny Gantz, um, and that Benny Gantz was uh, informed about this by the Shin Bet Security Services. <clears throat> and he didn't really give much details. That was basically what he gave. Uh, but that immediately opened up I would say it took about 10 minutes before a massive wave of rumors started spreading about what was on that uh, hacked phone. And what does Benny Gantz have, um, A, that could put him into, could risk him with blackmail by the Iranians? And B, what could be on the phone that could embarrass him or could create some uh, scandal? And it got very dirty and very low, I would say, very quickly after the original publication. Uh, Gantz has been um, basically denying that there's anything sensitive security-wise on the phone, but he hasn't really since then actually clarified those so-called personal embarrassing things that should be on the phone. But this event basically caused him to change course with his campaign altogether. Uh, we're three weeks before the elections, and up until now, Benny Gantz uh, hardly gave any interviews and hardly gave any press conferences. So this week he gave four interviews to the media, and he also gave three press conferences, which shows that definitely this phone event had some impact on the original plans, which were to try and keep Benny Gantz as far away from the media as possible, um, question-wise and uh, um, interview-wise. But another thing has happened at the same time with with this scandal, with this phone scandal, and that is the fact that uh, Yair Lapid basically took over 
the campaign, the blue and white campaign. The blue and white campaign has been very unfocused in recent weeks. It's only been three weeks since the party was formed and Lapid and Gantz joined forces, but the campaign was very unfocused. And somewhere last week, um, the what they call the cockpit, the four leaders of the party, Gantz, Lapid, Moshe Alon and Gabi Ashkenazi sat together and decided that now Lapid is taking over the campaign. And that has had, has had, I would say, significance and is very visible in how the campaign has been working in the past few uh, days. You see a much more targeted, focused uh, message coming out from the Blue and White campaign, mostly talking about the uh, um, new details in the Samarine affair and trying to elevate the Samarine affair as something that could uh, hurt Netanyahu. Um, but on the other hand, you also see a much more organized messages about three or four times a day, and people are saying the same message. So it looked like Gantz was kind of losing momentum in the polls, but it seems that he's back on the horse and there's still a game ahead even though I should say that the numbers, the, the numbers in the blocks still do not give him a real chance of forming the next government. But what Yair Lapid has been saying, and this is basically the strategy of the party, is to get a wide gap of at least five or six seats over the Likud, which will change the dynamics and will change the momentum and could eventually lead them to forming the next government. Yeah, and we saw that uh, in one of the polls released uh, last night that they have that five-seat gap. Uh, uh, that was uh, Channel 12's poll, and in Channel 13's poll, they're they're up by by two seats. But again, we need to be very careful with the polls. Uh, we know that polls are kind of an indicator, but they're they're not entirely accurate. And that's why I want to ask you: We had some polls a few days ago, including a poll at Walla, that really showed that. That Gantz was trending downward. The Likud had overtaken uh, Gantz in the Walla poll and in another poll for the first time since uh, the forming of Kacholavan was announced. And then, as you said, Benny Gantz uh, does four primetime interviews where he pretty much says the same thing. And all of a sudden, he's back almost where he was before, or at least around there. And that's just after one day of interviews. Like, what should we make of that kind of? Trend. First of all, first, first of all, one should mention that um, all of the polls, besides the you know the regular reservation we say about polls that they're not necessarily very trustworthy, um, there's something that should be said about the specific situation we are in right now when we look at the map, and that is that we have two big parties, Kacholavan and Likud, and we have many, many small parties around, and sometimes the differences between the polls are how many small parties pass the electoral threshold. So, for instance, in the Walla poll that you mentioned earlier, um, all of the uh, right-wing parties pass the electoral threshold, um, so Benny Gantz loses some, uh, lost some momentum. In other polls where some other right wing, where some of the right wing parties do not necessarily pass the threshold, you will see Benny Gantz stronger. All of this is just to say that all of these polls, we should remember, have a margin, a, a, quite a wide margin of error, 3.5 or 4%, which is even larger than the electoral threshold itself, meaning that 
all of the polls are basically not relevant, but it, but they do show the game. The game will be between how large the big parties are, but also how small are the parties around them and how many small parties around them will pass the electoral threshold and will be uh, give them the, and will give them the ability to actually form a majority uh, in order to form the government. Now about Benny Gantz. Benny Gantz and his blue-white party, um, I will say this as a journalist, <clears throat> so, excuse me, I'll say this as a journalist, so I'm definitely biased, but I think it's outrageous to think that a candidate for, uh, who wants to be prime minister um, in Israel three weeks before the elections is the first time that he actually exposes himself to questions and goes live on primetime TV. The fact that Netanyahu doesn't give interviews kind of gives everyone a legit, the legitimacy to think that they can do the same. But when you look around and all of the other players besides Netanyahu and Gantz, they go on interviews on a daily basis one, two, three, four times. Benny Gantz, up until now, did not do that. And part of the way of, you know, he's a new player, he has to make his impact, he has to make himself visible, he has to make himself soundable, he has to make himself um, exist in the Israeli public. So I would say that, yes, the, the, the definitely it seems like these interviews have had an impact. And I would say that these interviews came probably just a, probably a bit too late. And I should say that I hope that Benny Gantz will not mimic Netanyahu with his very snobby uh, media policy and media behavior, because if he wants to pose an alternative to Netanyahu, here's a good place to start. I agree. I mean, I think I would also just add that Netanyahu had a, a slogan early on in his campaign. It was Netanyahu Liga Acheret, like Netanyahu Another League. So I think what Benny Gantz was trying to do, trying to say it's me and him, and we're both taking this kind of approach, which obviously the the events that transpired in the past week kind of pushed him to these interviews, and we'll probably see more because of uh, how it's helped him in the polls. I expect that we'll see a bit more of that in the last three weeks of this election cycle. Um, but with that, um, let's transition to the Netanyahu campaign and what we'll see what we can expect uh, in the next week. So Netanyahu is kind of, he, he's kept really, uh, just looking at his campaign, I think he's had one of the strongest campaigns uh, in this election, probably along with uh, uh, the, the Labor Party uh, thus far, but he's really... No, it's probably, uh, no, 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 no. I, 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 can I correct you? Netanyahu's campaign is the best campaign in this election, professionally-wise, only speaking professionally-wise, and it's probably the best campaign in Israel's recent history. He has a very, very focused, disciplined, organized campaign. Um, his message is clear, is steady, um, and is uh, very, very simple. Um, and I would say that while um, the blue and white campaign has been very, very scattered and probably up until now will go down in the books as one of the worst campaigns, um, Netanyahu's campaign is exactly the opposite. He has been waging a very, very effective and successful campaign. Yes. His campaign has been super on message. And I mean, we, I mean, it's been pretty much 
three words, um, and maybe four words in Slapijo, and before it was Gantz, small chalash, Gantz, left, weak, or Gantz, weak, left, and now it's just Lapid Gantz, small chalash, and notice that obviously Lapid before Gantz, because Gantz is more popular in the public uh, and, and more seen as a prime ministerial candidate than, than Lapid. So, first of all, Bibi is trying to, uh, the Likud campaign is trying, the, the, the issue with mentioning Lapid and Gantz is, as you said, but also rotation, trying right? to discredit, yeah, to discredit the rotation. And that was very successful for them in the last election, too. Uh, when they had, you had the Bougie Tsipi rotation, and they they also pushed on that in twenty in twenty fifteen. True, because rotation because rotation is a very weird idea, and the Israeli public doesn't understand it, and it's probably also hurt guns because people do not understand: are we voting for guns or are we voting for Lapid? And Lapid, um, not only is he not popular. But he also creates much and a, a lot of antagonism from various groups in Israeli society. I would say, first of all, the ultra orthodox parties who do not who 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 disqualify him in advance or categ- categorically um, disqualify him. So that's part of uh, the campaign. But I would say that I I see that Netanyahu's campaign is basically. Um, divided into two or three sections. The first one is what you've been mentioning, which has been a very, very negative attack on Gantz and Lapid and finding whatever dirt they can find. Um, the the latest incarnation of this part of the campaign was a press conference, at, not a press conference, a statement that Netanyahu gave yesterday, uh, kind of trying to uh, raise the stakes for the phone incident and kind of looking at Benny Gantz in the eye and telling him, tell us what you have to hide in your phone and trying to present this mysterious hack as something that reflects on Gantz's ability or capabilities to be prime minister. But the other... If Gantz can't keep his cell phone uh, safe from Iran, how can he protect the Jewish people, Tal? Yeah, well, that's one part of this message. The other part of the message, and that which that should be noted, is that Bibi is hinting, uh, Bibi is hinting that he knows what's on Gantz's phone, and that he knows that these are things that could embarrass him. Um, I should say that at this point, from what I understand, there might be personal details or personal um, dialogues or uh, mails or photos on this phone of Benny Gantz, but nothing that would necessarily, you know, come out of the very private realm of what happens in his own household, um, as he said. But if we get back to Bibi's campaign, I just want to say that now the other part of the campaign has been, as you mentioned, to show that Netanyahu Liga Acheret, Netanyahu is a different league. And that is the part that we are going to see coming to center stage, taking center stage in the next three weeks, especially next week in Washington, D.C., but also the week after uh, when the president of Brazil is expected to arrive in Israel for a historic agreement, and a historic visit. So basically, if we look ahead, Netanyahu has many, many big events um, be, that are supposed to take over the agenda, and all of them kind of present him 
as you know this very experienced and well-respected veteran uh, leader, one that re um, the Donald Trump's best friend and the man who's bringing for the first time the president of Brazil to Israel, and all of this is, of course, this is expected to emphasize or to give him a push over guns who has none of this experience and is not Donald Trump's best friend and is not Jair Bolsonaro's best friend. So Netanyahu has many, you know, he, he's going to ride on the positive aspect of his campaign for the next three weeks up until the elections. But he is also... Uh, getting involved in this new development with the um, submarines, with the submarine affair, um, so which which is a totally different story than the story of the three files, one thousand, two thousand, four thousand, which we knew so far, because the submarine affair has to do with security and has to do with the most sacred notion of. Uh, um, Israeli government, I would say, and the Blue and White Party are definitely trying to pump um, the submarine affair as um, their main campaign in the past few days. So I would say that um, it's going to be very, very interesting, especially next week in Washington, D.C. Definitely. Um, and I know you have to run, Tal, um, but maybe we'll just end with one question. And I also wanted to mention that another big uh, issue that I, I don't think we mentioned that happened to Gantz this week was uh, uh, tapes from Gantz's uh, meetings that were released uh, by Sefi Ovadia on Channel 13, uh, Blue and White meetings, where Gantz uh, was recorded discreetly uh, by someone in the room saying that he would even consider sitting with uh, Netanyahu in, in a government. And that's something that had a lot of people uh, kind of up, up, up in arms. And then later, Gantz, uh, on, he went on all these interviews and he kind of denied. Uh, he said that that was at a different stage. Now we have the news about the submarines. Uh, the only way that I will sit with Netanyahu is after, if after a hearing, he does, he is not indicted. So here's the news flash. Nothing that any of these people say now should be kept by, <laughs> but it's value. Benny Gantz, will say that he does he notice that he does not ever say that he will never sit with Netanyahu. He is not ever locking the door, as he said. And the day on April 9th, everything will look different. All I would say not only Benny Gantz's statements about who he will be sitting with or he who whom he will not be sitting with, but also I would say other parties statements. It all depends on the final results. And the fact that Gantz disqualifies or doesn't disqualify Netanyahu at this point really will have no significance if Benny Gantz, um, if Netanyahu accidentally gets 40 seats and Benny Gantz gets 25. In that case scenario, which of course looks kind of um, imaginary right now, but in that case scenario, if that is the scenario, then Benny Gantz, we will definitely have an interesting situation, but Benny Gantz might find himself, yes, eventually he could find himself in a Netanyahu government. I would just say that these tapes did expose how Gantz says one thing on the outside and something quite different on the inside, the closed doors. But also I should say that 
this is what politicians do. Um, they say one thing in the outside and in closed, behind closed doors they say others. And I would just, I, and this is what basically I've been saying, it doesn't really matter. No one should believe this statement and no one should believe this statement it's on this matter. Eventually, the numbers will define the final results and numbers. Yeah, it, I mean, it may hurt his uh, his like public image because I think he comes off as kind of trustworthy, and that may have and people hearing that I think that may have had a small effect. But at the same time, uh, it shows that he's a kind of a politician that, that he understands like the political maneuvering required that he needs to. There's just something to be said about you know you said what that it that it impacted the public opinion. Not everything that we journalists have a blast upon on Twitter necessarily, you know, public understands. So we on Twitter, the journalists and the commentators, have a lot of fun at poking and showing how he lied and how (laughs) to say truth. At the end of the day, in the news cycles that go on here, I, I can tell you for sure that some of these things most Israelis do not even know happened. If you will ask them about what what do you think about what Benny Gantz said on the tape, they will have no idea what you're talking about. So also there's an, an echo chamber amongst journalists that makes, you know, these incidents much more important than they might actually be. I completely agree with that. And that leads me perfectly to the last thing I want to ask you, which is about Ayelet Shaked's uh, perfume. Uh, that's also something that went kind of viral in uh, like the Israeli Twitter sphere, and there were a bunch of takes. Uh, what did you make of, uh, of of that advertisement? And maybe just a quick mention about the new rights campaign. So the new right Bennett and Shaked are desperate. They are not succeeding to track any popularity in the polls. They're losing seats in some of the polls. Some of the polls show that they're even close to the electoral threshold. And we should say that these are two of the most popular politicians in Israel at large and especially in the right. So it's one of the interesting stories to follow. And as a result of this stress and campaign crisis, um, they went to the last resort. And that is what you mentioned, this video of Ayala Chaked, a very controversial video, very, I would say personally, a creative video but a very one that we are not used to seeing in the um, Israeli campaign or Israeli political election campaigns, Um, but a very controversial video, um, I think, uh, that especially caused much uproar and much and kind of gained attraction abroad, which means that it was probably a Hasbara uh, pigua, as we say, a pigua Hasbara. But yeah, it was embraced by by BDS and all sorts of uh, anti-Israel people. Yeah. Um, So, uh, but eventually, um, you know, and people on Twitter and feminists said that it was sexist and it created, uh, I would say, like a 10-hour, very significant buzz. But I think that at the end of the day, I'm sad to say this, even though I did not necessarily like this video and kind of made me feel very uncomfortable. At the end of the day, it did the job. At the end of the day, people were talking about Ayelet and Shaked and Naftali Bennett this week more than they talked about them throughout the whole campaign. So so this did actually create a a buzz for them and actually achieved its goal. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, for those who haven't seen uh, the ad, uh, I won't describe it because uh, we need to close, but you can see it on our uh, uh, 120 elections uh, uh, site at israelpolicyforum.org slash elections. I want to thank Tal. Uh, she needs to run. Um, but we'll speak soon. And uh, we have a very exciting week in Washington ahead. So have a great trip. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm sure most of you know about our 120 project, where you can find all the latest polls, analysis, translated ads, and more about Israeli elections. That's at israelpolicyforum.org slash elections. Um, And this week, we also launched uh, Annexation Watch, which is a super valuable resource dedicated to educating the diaspora, uh, Jewish community, and policymakers about the ramifications of annexation um, and identifying uh, those who are advancing annexation uh, in the Israeli government. Uh, there you can find videos, maps, and, and more. So I encourage uh, everybody to check it out when they have a chance. Thanks again for tuning in.